HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy. Learn more at diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues. That's him. It's gonna get you Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Gentlemen, the band's all back together. Yeah. I know. The band's back together. Yeah. It's been a, a few a few episodes, three or four since I've been on. I've uh, been quite busy traveling and doing other things. Uh, say, we, you couldn't, we couldn't get the team together because somebody had to go to Hawaii for his birthday. It was my birthday, man. It was my, <laughs> it was Twinsmas. Uh, me and my twin brother. Yeah. We, Mary Christmas. Yeah, we turned 40. I turned 40, guys. Yeah, that's a big deal, man. How you feeling? Any any different? I feel one year older. Um but no, it is it does feel weird. It's like I, I feel like when I turned 30, I was like, okay, I, I survived my twenties. Like I don't have to do that again. Um <laughs> and it's like, and yeah, I could look back and I'd be like, you know what? That was incredible. It's incredible that I survived, but it was also just a lot of fun. You know, I got to start traveling the world and, you know, playing in bands and stuff. And then I, now I look back on my 30s and I'm like, holy shit, that was really insane, too. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't have the same feeling as I did when I uh, turned 30. Like when I was like, oh, you know what? Thank God that's over. <laughs> 30s are right. still like, you know what? I still feel like I'm in my 30s, but let's see what 40s are like, I guess. Um, but, you know, it's. Did a lot of cool things in my thirties too, so uh, can't wait to see what the forties bring. Um, yeah, I mean, Greg, you'll probably get there in twelve years or whenever. <laughs> I don't, can't give, or, give or take. Yeah. That's what I'm on track for. We'll see. We'll see if it's how it plans out. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Hawaii was great. Uh, you know, it's just really weird. Um, it was my first flight since we went to Oaxaca, Southern. Um, yeah, almost a year and a half ago, and crazy. You know, it's 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 a different world out there. You know, on the flights, they weren't serving drinks. Um, you had to do COVID tests between every island, or you know, for Hawaii, and just you know, it's you know, it's been a, a very different world. But it's kind of weird uh, that it's like opening up now, and that you know, it's nothing really. It doesn't feel like everyone's on the same page. You know, <laughs> like it should be this mm-hmm. thing where it's like, all right, we've had all this time to prep for this. And uh, we should all just like 
basically hit play and you know roll it out but it's it, i don't know if it's been that way in new york but like it's certainly been that way out in california as well um, well as you guys, may, i mean as you yeah. may or may not know as of yesterday here in new york um we are now back to restaurants and bars can be at full capacity without spacing uh, yeah, same here in california. yeah masks aren't necessary uh, we can be back to our normal hours so for all intents and purposes uh, government has released us to be you know fully operational now again of course that's up to the establishment to relax those rules on their own and i think some are going to slowly go into it and some are going to jump right into it headlong and I, I think that's what you're talking about like we're, we're, we're not all on the same page right um, exactly which is making it you know confusing to the consumer gonna be a bumpy ride for all of us i think for the next couple of uh couple of weeks for sure yeah and there's also this issue where i was told by our compliance team that uh they're like all right so here's how it works people can have their masks off inside if they're vaccinated and i'm like oh so am i <laughs> like what do i do do i force them to show me proof of that or do i just let it go you know um because right. i also want you know the safety of my team so it's like one of those things as well so it's it's definitely an issue it's a it, the, it, I couldn't even say that there's really a system in place right now that to speak of that's across the board, you know, for right. bars yeah. and restaurants and not just, them, you know, like retail uh, establishments as well. Um, you know, it's 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 a tricky time. But I mean, I, I think that it, I'm still happy about the fact that we have some progress on this whole thing. It's just, you know, it's 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 in a pretty damn gray area right now. Um uh, well, I mean, there is an app for that. You know, there's that app that you can download, at least in New York. I don't know if there, if I, I think it only taps into the New York state database. So, I mean, other, yeah. you know, that's the thing is like, if you're coming from, I don't know, Philly, you want to go out for a drink in Brooklyn, like, I don't know what you do then. I mean, it's the whole thing of like, you know, you bartend for a while and you sort of know, like what various states driver's license look like. So, you yeah. know, when you get, when you get someone who looks real young, giving you an ID, you're like, I'm pretty sure Rhode Island state ID doesn't have the words Rhode Island and bubble letters, but like, I don't think you can drink here, but you know, it's, I mean, that's the thing is like, are we going to have some whole 50 different apps to prove these things? I mean, it just gets into a whole um, confusing I mean, I gray area. The other thing is that, you know, I I actually haven't downloaded this app yet. I have my vaccine card, and when I've gone to present it to people, more often than not, they've just gone, "Ah, oh, you're good, man. Go on ahead." And I mean, I guess it's nice confirmation that I have a trustworthy face or something. But still, it's a little I don't know. It's a it's a brave new world that we're all going to have to learn how to navigate and sort of figure out the the best system on the fly, which is a little frustrating because you know we had a year and a half. Uh, <laughs> But, I, yeah, but, we were, system, but we were busy, but we were busy to be fair. Yeah. I think my system is if you push back at all, you're out, you're not vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, out, yeah. that's it. You know, like if I say, can I, are, are you vaccinated? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Whatever. You know, like, Oh, you're absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what you get for trampling on their first amendment rights, Damon. I mean, geez. Yeah. Was it the MAGA hat they were wearing? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. How did they know? <laughs> yeah, anyway. I, guess sad, I guess sadly what we're kind of describing is that uh, the unfortunate truth is the individualism that is America means that this is just going to cause more problems. You know, 
this is just going to get people screaming and we're going to see more videos of people coughing and spitting on each other and uh it's just gonna be annoying yeah uh, but like, i missed it like damon Souther, Souther was actually real sunshiny for a couple of weeks where you were gone he sort of took up the oh, mantle but it sounds like he's happy now <laughs> yeah i tried to tried to uphold the the rainbow side that is damon bolty well rainbow did you see any rainbows in hawaii yeah for sure man on my on my actual birthday it was like it was it, it was pretty incredible now i know why they have them uh emblazoned uh, you know all over the uh the the license tags on the cars there it's pretty iconic symbol there uh yeah it, and uh have you been i mean have you guys been in hawaii no man, no we're not, never we're, been. we're not we're, we're not rich or lucky or good looking like you are i'm, I'm neither of those i just have a really great family uh, <laughs> and a credit card uh, that i'll pay off over time <laughs> yes uh, you got you got more time than anything. Uh, well, I guess the clock's ticking down on that too. Uh, speaking of rainbows, <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> That's what birthdays are, man. They're a countdown. <laughs> Your birthday's just a countdown number. Uh, and he's back. He's back, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. I'm back in force. <laughs> speaking of rainbows, Greg, who's in the studio with us today? <laughs> uh, joining us in the studio from St. Luna Spirits, making a fine charcoal filtered moonshine. We have. Aubrey Slater and David Sook. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, both of you. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you guys. Really excited to be on the show today. Yeah, it's going to be great. Anytime, yeah. You're well, my first so guest. I so more to make this happen, so. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to force me. You didn't have to force me. I wanted you on the radio. Yeah. Um, you've got a good story to tell, and, and we, we're, we're excited to hear about it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, my first guess of my forties, y'all. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> how about that? I love that we. I'll lead, I'll let David lead that off. You know, I was just going to say I love that we get introduced as the Rainbow People. Yeah, yeah, that was feel good. And I think it's June, appropriate. And we're, we're midway really through cool. uh, Pride Month, uh, and and you two are maybe we haven't done enough research, but kind of maybe among the first anyway to be. Uh, openly gay and trans and operating a spirits uh, business. Do we know if that's true or not? I haven't met any others. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, it, surely it's there, but maybe not so, uh, you know, open. Um, you know, I carry a few different uh, bidders at the bar that, that, that are willing to be that. But as soon as I saw that someone was like, we're the first to be openly, I was like, oh, that's that, that's a good caveat. We're the first to be open. There are probably some that aren't because there may or may not be pushback, which sucks, right? This is true. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about how everything got going. David, you've been working on the project for a while, and Aubrey, you just kind of got on board relatively recently. But let's talk about sort of the origin story of the, of the spirit itself. Yeah, absolutely, Souther. So I had this idea a couple of years ago, um, and it was really about sort of modernizing the moonshine space, um, you know, making it more accessible, much more cocktail forward. And, you know, I originally had that idea because I, I wanted to get into the spirits game, but I knew that, you know, I didn't have this like 100, 200 year um, family recipe of whiskey or, you know, I didn't have millions and millions of dollars in the bank to um, you know, help differentiate myself and tell people why I was different. And I just thought, huh, you know, if I could actually be different and sort of be first to market with effectively the, the first sort of modern day moonshine, 
um, you know, then I wouldn't need all of that, that I would truly actually be different. And so it took me a little while to actually get the idea started because I, you know, I had a full-time job and it was super fast paced. And, um, you know, in that time frame, though, I ended up meeting a gentleman who had been working on this particular recipe for moonshine for about 15 years. And so I flew down to Chattanooga, where he was living. We drove out to his, his buddy's farm in Georgia, which is pretty much every after-school special. You know, they tell you not to do this. I got into a <laughs> car with a stranger and drove probably 150 miles outside of the city. And, you know, absolute honest truth, I texted a couple friends with my sort of geolocation because I was like, all right, <laughs> you know, like, the further just you please check in, the make woods, sure I come yeah. home. Um, in the background, (laughs) right? Yeah. Like what could go wrong? This, you know, New York guy going down into the South, into, you know, a farm in the middle of Georgia, um, what could happen? And so sure enough, we get to his farm and he's got a homemade still set up and we start stilling what at that point was, um, his recipe, which is now St. Luna. And it was delicious. I mean, we were drinking it right off the still. And another friend of his had a little bit of old-fashioned syrup that he had made. So we just started mixing mixing it. And I thought to myself, God, like, this is just gorgeous. And if we can sort of pair this with really upscale, pretty packaging, um, you know, get it out of the, the mason jars and just make it more approachable for somebody that wants to go in and have a beautiful experience just drinking a moonshine, um, then we'd be the person to do that and kind of come first to market. So I ended up buying the recipe from him and then made him a partner in the business because I wanted him focused just entirely on making sure that our product was always amazing. Um, you know, new development, um, quality control, things like that. So we basically hit the market March of, oh no, I'm sorry, May of 2019. Uh, just started to get a bit of traction. And then, of course, like COVID um, shut everything down. So this is effectively our relaunch and, you know, not so not so bad coming out of the gate. Not so bad at all. And I love that reluctance to go after, you know, the, the, the fact that you're going for something that's not like in a mason jar and isn't going for that whole like, you know, that that very like Appalachian uh you know, this was this was made in someone's backyard next to a rusted up pickup truck aesthetic. Like I like that it like is God intended to, to move away from that space. Exactly. Well, it looks good on a back bar, but more than that, it tastes really good and it's versatile. You know, there's there's limitless amounts of cocktails that you could do with it. And I guess I sort of had the realization that you know I'm not George Clooney, so. You know, I'm not going to launch a, you know, a billion dollar tequila brand, you know, with $37 in my bank account, you know, like that, that was never going to happen. And I didn't have this just like amazing family history of producing alcohol and sort of that story to play up. So I thought, how could I carve out my own space that was truly unique and different with, you know, nobody else there? What got you into spirits in the first place? I mean, like, was it like cocktail bars or was it like a, uh, did you like work in the industry before? Was it like a, like a, like a a home enthusiast kind of thing? Like, what did you get into? No, I, yeah, it's a great question. I really like to drink them, you know, truth be told. And join the club. I, you know, I've just been able to surround myself with amazing people like Aubrey who have 
a lot more experience in the bar world than I do. I bring this, um, you know, I'm, yeah, like I'm somebody that just had an idea, you know, I, like, I'm not a distiller, um, you know, I'm a sales and marketing person that had what I think is a great idea. And, you know, I have a partner that manages all our distillation. He's absolutely exceptional at it. He's a chemical engineer by trade. Um, you know, absolutely brilliant, much smarter than I am. And, you know, Aubrey is the absolute queen of, you know, of the bar industry. So it just, it made sense to, you know, yes, have an idea, but then be very conscious of surrounding myself with people that can help me make it a reality. Awesome. So where, where, um, so go ahead. So there, I was just going to say, so you went to Chattanooga, but then you mentioned Georgia. Where are you producing currently? Well, the, the funny thing is, so I had the idea, right? Now I have my little, my teeny tiny sample. And at the time, um, one of my favorite bars was Perry Street. Um, you know, it's a Jean-Georges restaurant and I'd, I'd lived right down the street. So I'd always sort of walk in and, and just have a glass of wine after a long day. And the gentleman behind the bar who was their bar manager is a gentleman by the name of Mac from Alabama. And I had said, hey, you know, Mac, do you think that if I created a moonshine... Um, do you guys think you'd be open to trying it? And of course he laughed at me because he's like, no, like we'd never, never carry that here. You know, it's, it's Jean-Georges, it's just not appropriate. And so sure enough, you know, after I have this little mini sample developed down in Chattanooga, I um, walk back into Perry Street and I go, hey, Mac, you know, I want you to try something. Like, do you think you'd carry this? And he's like, oh my God, that's delicious. You know, and so sure enough, Jean-Georges ended up being my first customer. That's not <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah, like we were, we were at um, his flagship in Central Park West with a, a moonshine mojito that wow. was crushing it, crushing it before COVID. Wow. And did you say you met him in, in Chattanooga? Was I hearing that right? Well, I met my um, distiller in Chattanooga. So I worked for a company that sold baby blankets for about 12 years. And I know that there's a lot to unpack there, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> See, right, I don't babies. know what you're talking about. It seems like a logical career jump to me. Yeah, right. Babies to booze. Um, it was more that I was an entrepreneur. You know, I helped a, a very good friend of mine build that business uh, over the course of 12 years. And I just, you know, I knew that as an entrepreneur, like I didn't want to continue building somebody else's business. I wanted to build my own. This just happened to be an idea that I came up with that I thought was a good one. Um, so the distiller that created the St. Luna recipe was actually the lead chemist um, who developed a, a skincare range for my last company. And I oh. had sort of, yeah, I had discovered that he was this, you know, master moonshiner, you know, in the cloak of night. And, you know, I think everybody sort of has this realization at one point in their life where like you wake up one morning and you go, oh my God, if I have to go into work one more day, like I'm probably going to drive my car through the office, um, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like I had one of those mornings where I was like, I, we had been bought by private equity for the second time. Um, you know, there was lots and lots of things happening that I just didn't agree with. Um, and I just, I became the angry angry asshole at work. And I was like, that's just not who I want to be. And so that morning as I'm driving to work, I called Scott and I just, I was like, Hey, remember a year or so ago, we had talked about you, um, and your moonshine. Do you think I could fly down and actually try it? Because, you know, for me, that was sort of the tipping point to be like, all right, 
I got to make a move. I don't want to be unhappy for the rest of my life. And, you know, let's see, like maybe this can turn into something. And so sure enough, that kickstarted the whole story to, you know, get me into a stranger's car driving out into a, you know, a farm in Georgia to you steal some you, moonshine. You know that if you swap out a few details, that's exactly how the TV show Breaking Bad starts, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> what does that make me, Jesse? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you're Jesse in this scenario. Oh, right? man, he's the one I didn't like. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> And then Great performance. Sort of, Absolutely. Yeah, it started, it basically kick-started there. And I'm one of those people that just believes that the universe gives you what you need at the time that you need it. And so, you know, I had met Scott, which was the universe kind of giving me my distiller. Uh, the week, week or two after, I was at the Small Batch Distillers Conference in Pittsburgh with my little sample of moonshine. And, um, you know, met a husband and wife team out of Statesville, North Carolina, that said that they could make it for me. Um, you know, and then everything just started to kind of line up and, you know, I originally met Aubrey actually at Mother of Pearl, um, you know, and she, you know, she was excited about the product. We became really good friends and, um, most recently sort of in the middle of COVID, she came out to Pittsburgh with me to, to basically help me sell St. Luna. And I was like, I don't like, I don't want to do this without you. So here I am. You know, so can you, can you join the team? And I said maybe. Yeah, I think this is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think this is a, gr- a great a great tale of, of serendipity. It just seems, as you said, maybe things were kind of offered to you by the universe, or or you just sort of coincidentally ran into the right people, also at the right time. You know, it's just just as, just as important that everybody's in the right position at that at that moment uh, to to get it's on so board. It's so true. Get, I mean, timing get, is get everything. I am um, because I had had the idea. Um, you know, a few years prior, and it's just, you know, you're, you're working 70 hours a week, traveling around, and it, like, you know, launching a new business wasn't even something I could consider, um, you know, and just, it was that one morning where I was like, I can't do this anymore, but I've got this great idea, um, you know, let's give it a try. So you shifted from 70-hour work weeks of hustling baby blankets, and now you're probably crushing 90-hour work weeks of hustling moonshine. <laughs> Yeah, for but at no least you're salary. doing it for yourself. Right? There's a there's a, <laughs> there's a difference. There's a difference. But you know what? You yourself. can't you can't knock back a few baby blankets at the end of the day to unwind, and that's the difference, right? Here. Amen. <laughs> you can swaddle your swaddle yourself in alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of nights I do, um, and during the pandemic, a lot of days. <laughs> uh, well, it, it seems like a, a appropriate spot. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors, and we'll come right back and keep talking to the team from St. Louis Moonshine. Stay tuned, everybody. So, guys, as we were talking about at the beginning of the show, New York City is it's back. No restrictions. As of yesterday, everything is fully open, which is wild, right? Uh, yeah, a little bit uh, exciting, a little bit terrifying. It's, it's, it's arousing. <laughs> it's arousing and scary. I'm a bit scaroused. By the hornified. <laughs> the word is hornified, Souther. Yes, hornified and scaroused. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy to see like just how many bars still are able to use their outdoor seating, and the people are coming for us, man. <laughs> so like we, it's we actually have more seating than ever before. It's pretty crazy. Um, but that's New York for you. Always rocking and rolling. 
Absolutely. And you know, I mean, on, on the show this summer, we've been talking about a lot of the resources that are available for bartenders because, you know, we haven't done this in a little while. And so we've been talking about how this is going to be the summer of fundamentals. You know, it's like people are going to want to come out and re-experience the drinks they love. But you know what? As people get out there and as people are, you know, chasing that high that they've been missing for like a couple of years, they're probably going to want, they're going to want something extra. They're going to want something kind of special. Uh, which is where I will, will say, as I've been saying, people should check out DiageoBarAcademy.com because not only do they have all of the, you know, the skill level classes for uh, ev everybody uh, from bar back to beverage director, as we've been talking about this summer, they have, particularly this month of June, master classes. Uh, so if you want to check out tips on how to make things like draft cocktails, uh, how to work that frozen, frozen machine, how to make cocktails into popsicles, uh, you should definitely go and RSVP Man. for a number of these can't miss masterclasses on DiageoBarAcademy.com. I can't wait to figure out how to make a zombie popsicle. That's going to be my thing for summer. <laughs> Limit two. Oh my Only have God. two. Yeah. After that, that chaos yeah, will ensue. Hey, hey, Southern, uh, ask, yeah. me if, ask me if the master classes are behind a paywall. Uh, what do these master classes cost, Greg? Well, they're free, of course, just like everything else that's on there. So you should definitely go and RSVP for them and uh, try them out. Because, I mean, there's, like I said, there's something for everybody there. And you really, not to get all preachy about it here, but you should never stop learning. And there's always something to check out there, no matter whether you're looking to brush up on the fundamental fundamentals or learn a new skill, you really can't go wrong at diageobaracademy.com. Absolutely, stay informed, inspired, and connected to grow your career or business by joining Bar Academy today. Feather, spell it out for us. Uh, that's Diageo Bar Academy, D-I-A-G-E-O, baracademy.com. He loves that. I do love it. It's his favorite part. <laughs> Cheers, everyone. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And today we have our lovely friends, Aubrey and David, in the studio, the virtual studio. For now, I was just thinking, guys, we're, it's going to be like, and this, is, this might be a Heritage Radio question, but uh, we should be able to get into the actual studio soon again, I would assume. Well, right. I just got Ooh. a message actually via text from Katie Mosman Wadler uh, with some sort of a, one of those surveys that they send out once in a while. And the, the title of this one, I haven't opened it yet, but the title of it is uh, Hot Host Thoughts on HRN Studio Reopening. I haven't opened it up yet, but I assume that that's coming down the pipeline. However, Damon, I would consider that maybe our show never goes back because you're not nearby and this seems to work quite well. I'm worried about all the liqueurs and vermouths that are in our speakeasy bar in the studio. <laughs> You're worried about? <laughs> I'm well, hopeful more, more that like someone's the pilfered them by now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they have. I mean, like, it, I hope. My hope is that anyone who works at Heritage Radio has eased their pain uh, through the pandemic by tapping into our our library of, of liqueurs. <laughs> well, either, either that, or we're going to open up the studio and it's going to be like a scene from Indiana Jones, where it's just like all this, like glittery treasure <laughs> that's been unseen for years. Yeah, yeah exactly. Discovered. Yeah. Well, and least, hopefully, we back, you know, like we, we, we'll get some fresh bottles we should head in back there. into the studio and have a party. Yeah. Get some fresh bottles in there. We need some St. Luna in there, right? 
Hey, man. Yeah, we yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll make the drinks. Oh, you don't have to do that. You're our guest. Yeah. And also, uh, what if you were sense? Go ahead, David. It's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> we'll but watch. speaking of making speaking of making drinks, though, uh, uh, you know, uh, Aubrey's been bartending all over the country for quite some time, and you've tapped into her as a resource uh, for your company uh, to be sort of the face of like. Uh, how to use the product. Uh, shockingly, people don't know how to use something that you just drink um, right off the bat. So, Aubrey, what's what's been your role and how are you, uh, you know, a part of the company? Um, well, I started, I met David when I was uh, managing Honeybees and Mother Pearl and Amoria Margot. And he came in on a Sunday night <coughs> and it just happened to coincide with... Um, what was it, Sazerac Sunday upstairs where I was like entertaining 40 swing dance enthusiasts in a band. And then downstairs at Mother of Pearl, I had um, Doom Tiki with uh, guest bartenders and death metal. And then, of course, like the normal busy, crazy night that Moria Margo always had. So I, I was, <clears throat> and I was the only manager. So my head was on a swivel. I was, you know, burning rubber up and down stairs, checking on everybody, making sure everything was uh, in order. And um, Chalky Tom introduced David to me. And, you know, at first it was, uh, you know, nice conversation. And, you know, the soft sell was there. And I was just like, I want to taste it. I want to, you know, have this conversation. Um, but I was just like, boy, this is not the day for any of that kind of stuff. So we exchanged information. <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. Death metal and swing dancing. I mean, what a, what a beautiful combination. So that's New York. Yeah, where it is in a nutshell, <laughs> right on Sixth and A. And uh, so we exchanged information, and then, like he said, like the pandemic hit, like right after that, because this was, I believe, either end of January or beginning of February, and. Uh, I just got this like text message from him one day, like, Hey, what are you up to? You know, you want to hang out? And I'm just like, at first trying to figure out who it was. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I remember. And we ended up like, I, I went down to his apartment. He was living um, right near central park. And it was like me, him and his dogs in central park having wine and just hanging out. And uh, yeah, he offered um, me a chance to uh, help, you know, promote St. Luna with a uh, commission in sales. And uh, it, so basically like a brand, almost like a brand rep at first. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. It was like, you know, no pressure, no stress. If you're out and about, you know, mention the product, see what you can do. I'll give you a bottle. Um, but I mean, at this point in time, I was basically in hermit mode. You know, I was up here in the Bronx I wasn't taking the train anywhere south. You know, it's definitely not going to Manhattan um, other than really to see him. And then when it really, I think, clicked for us was he said he was going into a photo um, studio that they were going to do some photo shoots and he wanted me to style cocktails for him. And we just had a blast. And I, I, I came up with like three or four different cocktails for him. One with like an Earl Grey syrup that I wanted to call Moonlight Kingdom. Um, like a coffee drink, a couple other ones. And we just, that kind of just like bumped up, you know, the potential professional um, relationship as well as 
the friendship itself. And then like David mentioned earlier, uh, he said he had to go out to Pittsburgh because we had just uh, signed on with Vintage. Um, so we got Jersey, Delaware, and Pennsylvania. And the fact that I'm originally from Pittsburgh and that I had lived there for three years and uh, knew a lot of the bartenders in the craft cocktail scene there, that it seemed like the obvious choice that I went out with him. And uh, I think we did really well. We opened up almost 10 accounts. Um, people were raving about us. And on the car ride home, he just like, it was like he popped the question. And I, you know, do you want to be- <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my God, this is probably the closest I'm going to get to a proposal. So, yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, between between the picnic in Central Park with the wine and the dogs and the road trip really, really, really put the hard sell on her, didn't you, David? That's how I roll. Literally, that's road trips are magic. Redford, barefoot in the park. I know the proposal wasn't as glamorous though, because I think we had pulled off to a diner because we were both hungover, hadn't eaten, um, and we were at this little diner, sort of on the way out um, to head back home. And I was like, "Hey, I know." Is that not you know, what glamour looks like? Have partners? I been doing it wrong? He got me in a weakened condition. You know, I was just. Uh... <laughs> Right? Who knew cheesy, cheesy grits? Cheesy grits and an Eggs Benedict is what sealed the deal. Oh, that's right. It was at Ritter's, Pittsburgh. <laughs> I'll never forget. I mean, you could get me to do anything for some, some grits and some Benedict, you know. Yeah, throw in some moonshine. My God, what's a girl to deal? <laughs> <laughs> Very and cool. After that, it was just, that was it, you know, and I think the hardest thing that we've had to figure out was what my uh, what my job title was going to be, and finally settled on Chief Brand Development Queen. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> That's great. No, that'll look handsome on a business card. <laughs> it, it does. It looks fabulous. <laughs> so, well, what, has been the, what has been the uh, the strategy so far? Like, are you just like? Pop into accounts. I mean, have you been working on any kind of like activations or partnerships with any other like bars, restaurants, retail, uh, even the other collaborations with other brands uh, outside of the spirits in, in the world? You know, so right now, it's really just been a big focus on on premise. Um, yeah, doing as many activations as we can that make sense. Uh, because we we really are a small brand that's a startup, so we don't have deep pockets, and we're also just trying to feel out um, where everybody is after the after the pandemic. You know, there was a a long stretch where people just were hanging on for what they could, and um, you know, even when things started to open back up, people weren't ready to spend money on anything new or take a chance, and that tide is starting to turn a little bit. So we're right. we're definitely getting out there a bit more. Yeah, it was interesting because, like, I know that right when the pandemic hit, it was like it, it was it was like a no no, a big time no no to like pop into places and try to sell to them because like we were all just in survival mode, you know, and yeah. trying to figure it out, and you know, no one was working on cocktail menus, uh, you know, at the time they they weren't trying to like do a seasonal menu. They were just like, you know what? Everyone wants a spicy, or a spicy margarita and a Negroni to go. Like <laughs> that's all we're going to do for now and try to get like sell through some of our other inventory. So it was a very difficult time to, 
for sure to to launch a, a brand like this or any really but then also i was wondering like being so small it's like because i used to work with uh, brooklyn gin i was on that team from uh basically the beginning and we ran into some issues of in the beginning of just not having enough juice to sell you know it we only had like one day on the still uh that we could produce and you know what we had is what we had and it was kind of like all right well we had to be strategic about placements and i was wondering if there's any of that kind of thought going into this too because i know like you said you're like just trying to get into the right accounts and everything i would assume that with kind of a limited supply it's like it's important to get into those the right accounts to start correct uh, it is. I mean, luckily for luckily for us, though, we have a good amount of supply. I mean, my background is supply chain and operations. Gotcha. Um, so we're we're good on the forecasting and um, having enough juice. Our partners in Statesville are amazing. So that I'm not necessarily worried about. Um, for us being a small brand, the challenge was, you know, as a as the the owner of this kind of going, oh God, you know, I'm I'm home for a year what should I do? You know, should I try and get out there and, and pound the pavement? Cause you see other brands doing it. And, um, you know, other brands that obviously had, um, reps that had much tighter relationships that were able to broker much different deals than I would have been able to just walking in off the street. And you kind of realize, you know, you have to be comfortable knowing that nobody wants to talk to you right now. And so you just kind of hang at home and, you know, I did a lot of research on potential distributors, lots of research on media outlets and, um, you know, just tried to, to bide my time as best I could and kind of wait for the right moment to get back in front of people again to where I didn't just piss them off. Yeah, I, I know how I know what that's about, because um, I, I do that without even selling anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. that's how Southern I kind of got off yeah. to our start. Yeah. <laughs> Walking in and pissing them off. Anyway, um, but no, I get that. That's a uh, God. It's I know that like uh, there's been a lot of different strategies and and ideas for for sales during this time. Luckily, everything's opening back up though. You know, um, I know that like one strategy that I helped someone out with. I was like, you know what, you. He, he's just starting with his brand um, and he was like, how do I get in front of people? I was like, man, here's what you do. Pick 50 accounts, 50 to hundred accounts, right? And just send everyone a bottle and just say, I'm pretty sure you need a drink right now or 12. So <laughs> here you go. Like, I, just thinking about you, it's one of my favorite bars and I want you like, we all need to drink right now. So here, here you go, you know? And that was actually very effective. Um, cause during this time, it's like, we're all trying to help each other out, you know? And, you know, I always think about like the gestures that have happened in my time, especially in New York, you know, it's like sometimes the staff just needs a round of coffees from the bodega or a pizza late night, you know, it's like, and those kind of uh, strategic kind of brand ambassador moves, they go very far. It's like, it's more about the thoughtfulness than the actual product sometimes. And, and vice versa. I mean, it's just, it's interesting trying to, uh, figure out what works best. And I think right now it's like, it's really anything goes. And I think people are just really excited again because they can actually taste new products and bring new stuff in and start that people are thinking about cocktail menus again. And, you know, especially in New York, it's like 
bartenders aren't wearing masks. <laughs> you know, like you can actually see the bartender. Um, I mean, I hope Souther's still wearing a mask. Uh, so, sorry, so that was, that was low. Um, probably, probably forever, buddy. Probably forever. Yeah, no, not because of your face. I know that you're you're a cautious dude. But anyway, the uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I'm just saying it's it's really it's so, exciting Aubrey, to figure those things out. Together, because you were the GM, as you right mentioned, now, uh, over the complex as we know it, right? Which was so uh, on before, the show. Before, um, before the pandemic, but, it was honeybees, mother. Uh, it must be exciting for you. I mean, like I know that we um, this summer. I've known I mean, Tales is virtual. I've also known some friends of yours from other places because you've been kind of all over the place. Uh, and you are a trans woman. Uh, how has it been for you to kind of break into, or, or was there any breaking into bartending and spe- specifically cocktail bartending? And how do you plan to use that uh, maybe as, a, as an advantage or how do you see it as a possible disadvantage in promoting the, the new company? Well, um, when I first moved to New York, I was, I was basically uh, discovered in a, uh, bartending at a beer-centric restaurant in a mall in Beaver County, Pennsylvania. And uh, it was a gentleman (laughs) by the name of Jeremy Strawn, and he owned Mulberry Project, um, the bespoke cocktail bar in Little Italy. And he was opening up a new place, and he was just like, what the hell are you doing here? (laughs) And I was just like, I'm making drinks. He's like, no, why are you in, in in a bar in a mall? in Beaver County. And I, I told him that, you know, it was for family reasons. I had to take care of my grandfather. Um, unfortunately, good timing. I don't know what, how really to say this, but you know, my grandfather passed away and it gave me the opportunity to move here. Um, and of course I was a boy at this point, but I don't know. I don't know if it was just the energy of New York or just like I was making this whole new shift sideways and, starting this whole new venture, but um, it was at that point where I decided that I was going to, uh, you know, finally be myself and started my transition. And it was uh, all downhill from there, really. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was such a show. I was going through a lot, dealing with personal demons and addiction because of, you know, when when you're living in your own little personal prison, you don't really care what happens to you or your body. It's like, this isn't my life. This isn't my body. I don't care. You know, it's just full throttle. And, um, I ended up homeless and I, uh, I call it my kind of like my cocoon phase. Like I ended up living in the system. I was in SROs, the single room occupancy, which is like a, a dorm building for homeless people. And I was broke and I didn't have a job. And, you know, most of my friends, you know, especially like most of my guy friends were like, well, why don't you get a job in a gay bar? And, you know, for me, it's like there's nothing against that. But when you're a second level sommelier, you have a culinary degree, you've worked in some of the top cocktail bars in the world. You know, for me, I was just like, there's no way I'm going to sell myself short or my community as a trans person by just, um, you know, submitting to social, you know, rules. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to keep the momentum going of where I had left off. And so I suffered, (laughs) suffered greatly for a few months until finally, 
I, I got enough confidence and uh, a good enough wig where I could go out and uh, face the public and put myself out there as a, as a transgendered woman um, and face that, you know, rejection that I knew that was going to happen. And luckily I landed a job pretty quickly at a, at a pretty reputable place up in Harlem. Um, and the manager just happened to be a lesbian. I don't know if that helped or whatever, but she was fantastic. She saw, you know, my talent, she saw my experience and judged me by that and my potential. And, it was just an amazing, amazing feeling to be able to uh, get back into what I love doing. Um, and my, my outlook on things was so much brighter, so much friendlier. Um, I, I just, you know, being myself in my chosen profession was just uh, such a great feeling. So, and then from there, I, I, you know, I just kept bouncing to place and, you know, building up my New York reputation, like working at Jaybird Cocktails and serving Jason Luttrell Cocktails, um, working for at, at Fedora in the West Village, which was very cocktail centric uh, restaurant, and uh, just kept on going until eventually, like I met up with Souther. Well, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm, sure, I'm sure the <laughs> experience of doing something you love as a person that you love. Like, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like, you know, I'm sure it was so much easier to love yourself as your true self and, and Absolutely. having that, you know, internal and external match. God, what a feeling. That must've been amazing. Yeah. I went through a little bit of a drought. It was like, I, I can't remember what year it was, maybe 2016, 2017, like I couldn't find a job to save my life. And I was just like, well, I guess, you know, trans people aren't trending anymore. And, you know, I, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to tell these bar managers, I'm just like, you know, on a hospitality level, like you go into a, a restaurant, a bar, you know, and you have a great drink, you have great food, you know, service is important, but what are the things that you remember? Is it going to be the six foot tall blonde trans girl behind the bar? Maybe. It's like, I, I just didn't see how it could fail. I was just like, I provide great service. I'm very talented at what I do. And I mean, who the hell is going to forget me? Yeah. I well, mean, and also, oh, I mean, this goes back to something I've been saying for a while is that diversity is good for business. Like, you know, if people, if you go into a bar and you, it's, it's, populated and staffed entirely by people that are, are not, you know, people that you, identify with visually right off the bat you there's a very good chance that you however you look are going to turn around and leave because you're just going to think like this is not my place yeah. but if you have a bunch you know if you if if there is someone on staff or sitting at the bar that no matter who walks in through that door they could say ah this is this is a place where someone who looks like me however i look is welcome that from a from a purely coldly capitalist standpoint that is just good for business it really is. You know, I always say I was changing the hearts and minds of one Republican at a time, you know, being transgendered. <laughs> like first, you know, a lot of times, like they wouldn't really catch on that I was transgendered. And then it was, uh, you know, they'd be asking me about my life and I'd be like, yeah, you know, I played collegiate sports. I went to Georgetown University. I was a, 
a scout sniper for the Marine Corps. And they're like, what? You know, <laughs> and they're just like, how is that possible? It's like, you know, that I'd lean in real close and be like, well, I haven't always been this pretty. And it just the shock and awe. <laughs> 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 Uh, I mean, w- without a doubt, hands down, the reason that I took you on is is hospitality. I, you know, I think uh, I've made my reputation on uh, on hospitality more than anything else. Uh, you know, I, I guess I'm known for making drinks, but I, th- I think I really sell myself as a hospitality uh, uh, you know authority. And you you came on the scene at a more uh, well up at Honeybees rather, uh, and I was like, yeah, we got to hire this lady. Um, and, and I was among, I was among that, that group that you just, uh, that you just mentioned because I just thought you were this body boisterous lady from, from, uh, you know, that a friend of mine in DC told me about. So, you know, Rachel Sergi told me about you. Um, so I was like excited. Yeah, Serge, I was excited to have you on the team for that aspect. But, you know, again, we're starting to run out of time here, but I, I do want to maybe ask again, like, how do you do you see this as a potential um, and, and David as well? Do you guys see this as a potential um, uh, you know, leg up in, in moving the business forward and getting it in front of people? Or is this potentially uh, maybe damaging? Like, how do you navigate those waters that, that certainly uh, I don't think any of us on the speakeasy have had to consider in our lives? But like, how do you how do you navigate that? Well, I just think personally um, that first and foremost is the product that we're selling. You know, it's like David said, it comes in a beautiful package. The bottle's Italian, the label's on point. The product inside the container is is fantastic. So that's what we're trying to sell. The fact that we're a gay and trans-owned business, <coughs> I think it benefits us um, to a point, but I really think that the product, you know, it speaks for itself. That's my opinion. And I can say, I think it's going to be a mixed bag, to be honest. I think that in some cases it's going to help, and in some cases it's going to hinder us. And my take on that is representation matters, and representation on an executive level matters even more. So, you know, if a gay-owned business and a trans-owned business make you uncomfortable, then don't buy our stuff. Amen. You know, like... I'm totally fine with that because representation matters. And for me, it was more about the the talent, um, just how exceptional Aubrey is as a person. Um, mm-hmm. And to me, that's what matters. Yeah, same, same for me. Thanks, Heather. Well, I mean, there, that is that is something that I of I course. sort of wanted to ask a little Greg, bit about you because something? you know you look at the bottle and it's very you know it's 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 an incredibly classy bottle. Clearly, the focus is is meant to be on what's inside and not who has made this, uh, which I think is really interesting. As as we mentioned before, you are, to our knowledge, the the only one of the only trans individuals in the distilling space. And by the way, if we are wrong about that, if you're listening to this right now and and uh, you are a trans individual in the distilling or brewing or whatever space, please hit us up on Instagram because we'd yeah, love, to have, your, like love to have your story too. on the show as well. Um, but I, 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 part of me just thinks that that is, does that mean that we have turned uh, one corner of many corners and that, you know, this is not, this is a business that just happens to be owned by a gay man and a trans person. And the focus isn't so much on like, look at this LGBTQ business. It's look at this great product that we're making that happens to be produced by members in the LGBTQ community. 
I think that's the, you know, that's my take on the brand. Um, but you know, to each their own. Like, I think that if you are a, you know, a queer person or, you know, LGBTQ plus, then I think you should do what you feel comfortable with. And if you feel comfortable and you want your brand to be more of the rainbow flag and more of a very forward position on representation, then you should do it. Um, for us, it was more about the juice inside, um, but certainly not hiding from the fact that uh, we are an incredibly diverse executive team. I mean, even our chief, chief operating officer is a really good friend of mine, uh, openly gay man. Him and his husband live in Connecticut. And, um, you know, we certainly don't hide from the fact that we are gay owned. No, I mean, going to bars and, and, and being the ambassador for this product I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's a talking point, you know, not only is it an American heritage spirit, you know, that has been part of, you know, the fabric of this country for, you know, hundreds of years and helped start NASCAR, you know, that has that kind of reputation, but, you know, that also (laughs) you're, 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 you're supporting, you know, diversity, you're supporting, you know, a marginalized community, um, and a lot of people are really on board with that, especially with the you know the times being that the way they are. This is awesome. Absolutely. I I'm so psyched about this uh, for a billion reasons, but uh, I it's also just like I don't know. This is like it's such a great story, but I, I can't. I, and I sorry, I haven't got to try the juice yet, um, but it's. Probably mainly because I haven't been in New York. Are you guys? We'll send you a bottle. Is it in California? Oh, awesome! That's what I was getting at. Yeah. But more than anything, I just, I just think that it's, it's so important right now to be, um, just open and aware of each other. I mean, I, I certainly think that even, even without a pandemic, I mean, it's like, I, like the pandemic has definitely like closed everyone off, but also opened people up. And I think it's an interesting time, like all these different things coming together. Just, I don't know. It's just a really exciting time. I don't really know what it I'm is. saying, I, but I think, I, I think, I, I think maybe what you're saying, I don't want to put words in your mouth, David, but I think yeah, maybe what you're saying it's, it's really exciting to be part of normalization. We're normalizing yeah, exactly. these, these, these scenarios by, uh, by pointing them out, by being aware of them, and then by also, in a strange way, not giving a shit. You know what I mean? I don't care who owns what. If it's delicious juice, I want it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, we have exactly. to talk about it so that it gets normalized. Man, it's been really a great conversation with you guys. Uh, you know, aside from the few snafus we've had with the audio system, I hope it's not going to affect the show too much for our listeners. But listen, uh, how can we follow along with your successes? Um, I'm sure you have an Instagram that you want to pimp out. What do, what do you got for us, David? We do, yeah. So we are on Instagram as Saint Luna Spirits, and it's all spelled out. And then we are on Facebook as Saint Luna Moonshine because Saint Luna Spirits was taken. <laughs> and then our <laughs> website, um, our website is SaintLunaSpirits.com. But we post just about everything we're doing, um, all the different events we have going on. We post all of our cocktail recipes. There are loads and loads to choose from. Um, some of the more recent ones are just incredible things that Aubrey's come up with. Um, so you'll definitely have to take a look. And then we are online, um, all over the place, uh, caskers.com, reservebar.com, drizzly.com. And then we are just starting to make some progress on premise. 
Hopefully, it'll be coming this Thursday. Hint, hint. <laughs> yeah. Are you, David? Are you looking into LibDib? Do you know what that is? I do actually. Yeah. So we um, we have a couple distributor relationships kind of um, waiting to close. So you know, being a, a two person team, where two person sales team, we're trying to kind of moderate what we do and make sure we can support it properly. Yeah, that's great. Uh, slow growth is the best kind of growth, I think, uh, more organic. Um, well, we are running out of time, so that's it for this week's episode of The Speakeasy. Thanks for tuning in and listening to us, and thanks again for your time, both David and, and Aubrey. It was really great to have you both on, uh, and I look forward to uh, following your successes uh, uh, all over the place. Um, so thanks again. You're very welcome. Yeah, thank you, guys. pleasure. Love you guys. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in that rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you side in the The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fair, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, Join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.